Good afternoon, good morning, good evening, wherever you are in the world. I'm Russell Tovey. And I'm Robert Diamond. And this is Talk Art. Welcome to Talk Art. How are you, Rob? I am feeling like no one is an island. Right, okay. How did you get to that feeling? Because, Russell... I think it's really important, you know, this past kind of two years of of intense change in the world on all kinds of levels, but obviously um, predominantly from the pandemic. I feel like the great thing that's come out of it is friendship and community and creativity and art. And I think it's being reflected in so much of the art that we're seeing right now. And the title, No One is an Island, is from an artist group called Random International. And our friends at BMW are currently about to present for Freeze Week, a very special world premiere of an installation by Random International in collaboration with the iconic, one of my heroes in dance, studio Wayne McGregor. Mm. And they are conflating with artificial intelligence, with the human capacity to empathise. So it's all about empathy and connection. Boy, that's very current for what we are all longing for right now after what we've come out of. So... We are going to do an episode now, but Rob, because it's Freeze Week, you are obviously super duper busy. This year at Freeze, you are manning two booths as well as opening a show at the gallery in Margate, right? That's right. And Freeze as a gallerist is the most exciting time of the year. It's a time when you get to connect with collectors from all over the world, but also the public from the UK. Because, um, you know, we have a Saturday and Sunday where loads of the general public come and we get to kind of share our artworks with them. So what we do is we set up a kind of mini exhibition on our booth. And then it's, it, you know, you come to the fair and you get to hang out with all of us and, and experience brand new art. And on my booth, the art is literally brand new. Like it's never been seen before. So it's a really exciting thing. And interestingly, the BMW presentation, which is in collaboration with Superblue, they've collaborated with the art group Random International to create this unique kind of performance experience that you can actually go and see during freeze week. And it only lasts about seven to 10 minutes, I think, but it's a live performance and it's really magical. So I really recommend going to see it. I am going to head there as soon as I possibly can. And I think you're going to go, aren't you? I'm definitely going to go. So I'm going to go and then I'm going to be interviewing everybody afterwards. But uh, we're just letting listeners know that this interview is probably going to be me riding solo uh, with Random International and Wayne McGregor and Super Blue. Yeah, and also I think you're going to get to meet some of the dancers maybe and and Hot. sort of take it all in. And Love if I that. can, I will come along with you, but I think I'm probably going to be going on my own. So yeah, but you've got, you've got a lot um, going on, Rob, yeah, being a, a gallery director. Yeah, exactly. But big thanks to BMW. We're looking forward to everyone seeing this amazing installation. And we're going to hear from Russell now, I think, at at the opening. Here we go. See you in a bit. So I have just witnessed something incredible. And I would like to talk to someone who's very much involved in what I've just seen. And it is the Super Blue co-founder and CEO, Molly Dent Brocklehurst. Hello, Molly. Hi, Russell. How are you? I'm good. That was incredible. I don't think I've ever seen anything like that before. Beautiful, wasn't it? Totally Just beautiful. beautiful. Yeah. How, how did you get involved with this experience of working with BMW? This, this is mass collaboration. BMW, Wayne McGregor Studio, Random International and Super Blue have come together. This must be the first time that that's ever happened. Yes, it's definitely the first time that's ever happened. But actually, all of us have kind of known each other and done some interesting projects beforehand, right. not the whole group. So yeah. I have been working with Random International 
uh, for several years now and really inspired by their work, obviously having seen initially The Rain Room. And then also a few years ago, I met Hedwig and all the wonderful people at BMW as they supported a really uh, ambitious project that we were doing with uh, Drift, Studio Drift, and a flock of flying drones. Right. And so uh, we were working together on that. And I met really Wayne actually through Random because he's worked with them and some other of the artists that we work with for many years. So, Amazing. So yeah. what exactly yeah. does Super Blue do? Because it... it my understanding is that it's an experimental, immersive art and bringing it for mass consumption. That's right, yes. I think that basically what we are, we're a platform that has a number of artists that we support and we, you know, we try to uh, give the you know, possibility of their, you know, their most ambitious projects. Right. We try and bring them to the public. We, tr we see that this group of artists, they're often multidisciplinary. They have a very wide reach, often wider than a traditional artist. And... We're really interested in exploring that expansiveness that they uh, that they bring to us and creating extraordinary experiences for people to come and enjoy. And where did this come out? Because I, I, am, I, am I right in thinking that this came out of lockdown and everyone having like a social distancing? It's about bringing people back together or giving them experiences which you know they've been lacking. We were. We were an organization before lockdown, but we hadn't yet done anything. And I think that, you know, besides the sort of horror of everything that was going on, I think that we, we felt that the meaning that we were bringing by these experiences became more and more important after a year or a year and a half that everybody's been separated from each other. Yeah, so art right now yeah. feels more important than ever? I think art feels more important than ever. Uh, communal experience feels more important than ever. And the ability to go and do something with your friends, but something which is really kind of meaningful and inspirational is amazing. Absolutely. So how do people find out more about Superblue? Okay, well, we have a website, www.superblue.com. <laughs> We're on Instagram. Um, we have, our main center is in Miami, um, in Alapata. It opened in May. It's 50,000 square feet. We have an exhibition of Team Lab, James Terrell, Drift, and S. Devlin. Uh, we have a pop-up. What, what, what are they like, though? So, and James oh. Terrell was someone you've worked with James Terrell the was kind of the forefather of the, of, of the idea. He's been working in experiential art for 50 years, yeah. but never really had this kind of platform. You know, every time he does an exhibition, there's queues around the block, queues around the museum block. But here we formulated a, um, a financial model that can really support him by giving him a percentage of ticket sales as people come and buy uh, a, a visit to the space. And is that the same for everyone you work the with? The same for everyone that we work with, yeah. So that's a really unique way of making experiences for people yes. is giving them an actual opportunity to make money from it as well, support exactly. their Exactly, exactly. We're work. supporting their practice by, by, by creating these experiences and that's sharing incredible. it with them. That's incredible. That's um, incredible. We also have uh, an experience uh, with A.A. Uh, a. Murakami at Six Burlington Gardens, which has just opened in London. And we are collaborating on a beautiful exhibition at the moment at the Shared in New York with Studio Drift, with Drift. Amazing. So, so during Freeze Week, we can see this show, No One Is An Island, yes. that you're involved with. The show you were just saying, which is yes. at, where is it again? It's at number six, Burlington Gardens, the back of the Royal Academy. Amazing. Yep. And then in Miami right now, if anybody's Miami going Miami right now there. is open and has been open since May and will continue to be open. But hopefully, I think a lot of people are planning to come after the 1st of November when they left the restrictions that's yes. right what what to, to end yeah. what is it you look for in the artists that you work with uh i think it's a lot of things i think that often we work with multidisciplinary artists because it's so complex the kind of constructions that we're making 
We work with artists who have a very strong voice and a message and a sense of engagement with a wide audience. And we work with artists who are extraordinary. There we go. Thank you so, so much, Molly. It's great to talk to you. Thank you very much. Cheers. So I am now here with someone very special from BMW Group Culture. Now, BMW Group Culture is uh, some people that we've worked with, a company that we've worked with before on Talkart. Uh, we went to Housingworth in Somerset for uh, the incredible Henry Taylor show. Uh, and we're now talking to uh, a very important uh, woman uh, who's a dear friend of Talkart, Hedwig Solis Weinstein. How are you? Good. How are you, Russell? I'm, I'm really good, thanks. <laughs> I, I'm completely blown away by what I've just seen, and I'm I want to know how this came to BMW I, and also working with Wayne McGregor Studio and Super Blue and Random International. How did this all manifest for you? Yeah, um, you know, there is a lot of intelligence within our team. We we keep monitoring what are artists doing, what is developing out there. And and we featured or we, we, we spotted that they are creating something very special that was also in alignment with what's driving BMWi. That is, you know, electrification, the relationship between a human and a machine. Mm. Um, uh, of course, sustainability, all topics that are, you know, also important for the artists and, and for us. So this is a way to underline it and, and, and to do something truly very special. So we started collaborating or we reached out to Random International. They started brainstorming around the ideas that we also had. Um, Wayne McGregor was also part of it. And then, of course, Super Blue with the amazing um, approach that they have to make things also more relatable, more accessible. And, and this is also something that, that moves us, you know? Absolutely. Well, BMW is, is standing for sustainable, future-orientated and forward-looking mobility. And, and what we're seeing with this kind of robot, this animatronic thing, is so forward-thinking and it's so exciting and really shows off what art is now, what art can be. I'm so happy that you perceive it like that because if you see it like that, you know, the goal, the goal is, you know, we hit the goal, you know? Yes. So what, what else can people experience apart from this, like during freeze? Because there's lots going on, isn't there? Yeah, we are. We always try, you know, to support and to collaborate and co-create with artists on different levels. Mm -hmm. um, we are also collaborating with Madeleine Hollander, yes. uh, an emerging artist, um, a fantastic emerging artist. And um, yeah, I, I would love to invite you to Freeze to see also her uh, project, her installation. She's all about sustainability and also the topic of mobility, you know, mm -hmm. and uh, it would be phenomenal if you come and join the lounge. Oh, absolutely. Everyone should, but she, it's the BMW lounge. So anyone going to freeze this year can go to the lounge yes please the lounge is open to welcome you and enjoy you know art and enjoy our beautiful products um uh, i'm i'm very happy to to welcome you there yeah and bmw has been working with the arts for over 50 years supporting them why is that so important for you you know, we, yeah, indeed, it's it's our birthday year. We are celebrating, as you say, 50 years wow. of cultural Happy involvement. Happy birthday. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. Thank you. I mean, to all our wonderful colleagues, uh, we work, we are a, a phenomenal team, you know. And um, I think, you know, creativity is key to our BMW 
experts, to our engineers, to our designers. And, and working with brilliant minds like artists is a way to underline this, you know? Um, and when you bring them together, it's, it's just so beautiful to see how they inspire each other. Have you, have you like, actually witnessed that then, where you've brought an artist in to meet the engineers who are designing the cars? Oh, yes. It's phenomenal, you know? And, and, and actually... BMW engineers and designers and artists, they, they have this motivation to solve problems in a very creative way. They, they are very ambitious, you know? And, and the dialogues, when you, when you witness that, I, am, I have a big smile in my heart, you know? I would, lo I would love to see that, I think. Can I invite you to 100%. headquarter, please? Oh, my God. Yeah, I'd absolutely love to go. But I, I just think that... That the conversations that would come from that, that, that the mutual respect, but fundamentally what everything comes down to, especially the engineers, is, is it is an art form. There, there is artistry in design, in science, you know, in philosophy, which is, you know, what this show is exploring. And to bring artists in who think in the visual sense must be really inspiring on both sides. Exactly, Russ. You know, like it's bringing different sets of experience and intelligence together and, and then just, you know, the magic happens. Yeah. Incredible. Well, Hedwig, we love you <laughs> so much. At talk we love you too, guys. <laughs> do, you want, do you want some talk art questions? <laughs> I think, no, I'm good. Don't, don't want to tell us your favorite color. <laughs> My favorite color is actually green. Oh, yeah. Why is that? Um, I, think, I think it's so connected to nature. And, um, yeah, it's, I just love it. And if, okay, if you could do an art heist, what would it be? If you could steal any work of art in the world for yourself nicely, what would it be? Ooh, that would be complicated. Actually, many heists. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Multi-heist. Multi-heist. Go crazy. Oh, yeah. <laughs> what's, your, what's your top three? Uh, I will keep that secret with me. <laughs> <laughs> what, and what is the best advice that you've ever been given when it comes to career that you can impart to our listeners? The best advice is just to be you, to be real. Um, I think, you know, that has been, it's an advice that I also got in, in my path. And only if you are you, um, you will succeed. I love that. Thank you, Hedwig. So I'm with the whole team. This is uh, incredibly exciting. What I've just seen was uh, amazing. I've just felt empathy for a machine. Uh, and I'm here with Hannes Koch, Florin Okras, and Wayne McGregor. Um, hi, guys. Thank Hello. You. Thank you so much for what I've just seen, what everyone just seen is downstairs has just seen and witnessed. That is a phenomenal creation. Um, how, how did you find each other? I've, I've spoke to Molly from Super Blue just now. I've talked to Hedwig from BMWi. This is a mass collaboration. I mean, how do you bring so many uh, minds together for one project? Silence. Oh, we go back. <laughs> we go way back with with Wayne, and we shared a name back in the day. Wayne Studio Wayne McGregor for a while was Random Dance. Twenty years. Yeah, and we did a performative intervention in Sadler's Wells in two thousand 
seven or something, quite quite some time ago. Right. And the people there, so he's not here. Went never there, but he's not here. But you you should meet him. He he will he will find some of this stuff interesting. He's really into exploring and experimenting with new things with technology and science and stuff. What, what was the intervention? What did you actually do? It was a do? temporary graffiti, like a light drawing thing um, where people can draw temporary images with lights on, on light UV ring. light on surface. Which is kind of what we're seeing with No One Is An Island because like the Picasso light mm. drawings, is, that, is it that sort of, has this been sort of a theme that you've been exploring for a long time. I think light, we used light since day one as a medium, as like a material to test and experiment. It's a very easy material for that. But that, I think that then was really a playful, like very, you know, very immediate thing. Um, We're amazed by how, it, because it fades out, so it vanishes after a while. Like so a sparkler, sun. like fireworks. <laughs> yeah, yeah, but like, yeah, yeah. A bit quicker, a bit slower, but yeah. <laughs> yeah. But you could see how people lose their... Inhibitions. Like, inhibitions, because, because it's, oh, it, you know, it disappears. It was not like here's a pen and you mark the wall and it stays forever. And, and, and suddenly, you know, they would just, like, draw, draw uh, yeah, whatever. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> Which yeah. uh, we had some very interesting... Uh, yeah. So people yeah. feel more confident to work yeah, with that. They have yeah, sex on a canvas. Like you have if one drink and they, they, they've complete each other. They draw children and, and they put their outlines. They draw children and women's tummies bits. and stuff. And, yeah. you know, and then they leave. And boys' there. bits, I'm sure they the, appeared a lot, right? The whole right? time. It's, the, like it's everything. It's like, oh, we've seen that before. Yeah. This is new. Yeah. And then it all, it's all gone after like 60 seconds. It's all, it all disappears. And wow. There's a very ephemeral quality to it. But then I think that the, the, then when we met you, we did a completely different thing for, for, um, for the Royal Opera House Deloitte Ignite Festival. I think. Right. What, how long ago was that? When you were still random dance? Like, um, yeah, I think we were just about changing. I mean, I'm just a big fan, right? And I, I love the fact that what the work does is it elicits kind of like a physical behavior from people who wouldn't normally necessarily dance, right? They, they, they find a, an, a, way, a way to interact with the artwork, which I found really moving and really powerful. It's really profound. And I, I started a festival at the Opera House called Deloitte Ignite and um, where we had the opportunity to invite artists to come and do um, installations of work at, at Covent Garden. And, and these guys were the first people that I thought of to do something. You invented that brilliant audience. Yeah. Tell them about that, because it's so cool, audience. Oh, but, but it was such a hard, you know, we came from this light stuff, graffiti, and then we got a call from Wayne, or an email from Wayne. I remember we were in Taipei for the Digital Arts Festival, and we got this, uh, oh my God, it's like, a, so, like it's seven months away. That was the longest we were ever given to do something. <laughs> And but you, but God, you were given that seven months as a, Wayne, as a time scale, it, like you've was got in November, this time and Wayne was like, for this time, great. Yeah, it was in no, November or December or something, and Wayne said next, next summer, like uh, late September, to, it's a thing. So it was March, it was nine months, and we were like, this is amazing. Let's, and, and then we had no, you know, no idea what dances, choreography, like, uh, you know, pretty awkward feeling in our own bodies the whole time. And then going, like, okay, and then I think at that point there was still the idea that maybe um, there would be a choreographic intervention with the work, but definitely we wanted people to engage with something physical and stuff. And, and then we came up with this, like a mirror, mirror work, kinetic mirror work, which looks at lots of little phases that look at 
lots of little mirrors that look at a person and they they basically stare at you, but they all like it's a huge field of them and, and they chat to each other and then when somebody enters they all turn their head and look at you. And then they follow you around and at some point they get bored and look at somebody else and it's super simplistic. Um, Does it feel quite threatening at times? No, we thought it, it was, would be yeah, super threatening. It was supposed to. We were like, oh, you know, it's like... Uh, Uncomfortable you know, and yeah, being observed. Surveillance. Yeah. And there was a big yeah. discussion at the time about, about a CCTV in London. Yeah, yeah. Like in the, uh, and we were like, oh, yeah, like this would, this would really freak people out. And then everyone was playing with it. We had little kids. We're like, um, so not quite, what, <laughs> not quite what was intended, but successfully. Yeah. It really, and people instantly saw them as, as like... Um, not not as objects, but as little like little like little people that look at you because it's like this this sea of, and it's just it's just it's just rectangular, literally a five mirrors. But you on project the onto them you like your own sort of personality. You project onto these images that you're you getting see yourself, You see yourself. In all of them. Yeah. But even that is not. It's it's that they all like turn to you and follow you as if you like as if you come to a party. You enter. You open the door and suddenly everyone. Well, if you're not a local, so and they go, "Who are you? You're not from around here." Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So you two met in uh, at the Royal College of Art in 2004, and you were both fascinated by, you know, robots and how they can kind of play into the future and where humanity crosses into the digital. I think we're fascinated by people, by this very thing that narcissism outperforms anxiety and dystopia people go like hey look it's looking at me i mean that's what what still happens you know every time you click on a okay thing you want to get to the to the enjoyment to the endorphin you know you want to go to go to your happy place and i think that's a fascination and i think we've we just found robots and lights and technology and code and stuff and cameras cameras are super like tracking people that's all really good tools to explore how people func how we function. Yeah, how we react to that because we're really good at like, I mean, we had a few thousand years to to learn how to do stuff, and we're pretty good at making making things. And now it gets into the realm where it's, it's more and more software. It's like you know, suddenly oh, there's AI, and like, and it's it, it, it we're kind of at a crossroads where. We can do all this, and we have no idea what it does to us or how we respond to it. It's a bit like when you talk to Alexa, you think, "Oh, it's a box with a with a voice," mm. but your brain still thinks it's a person because we, we we never evolution has never told us to like, "Oh, yeah, you speak to you speak to boxes." We 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 always have spoken to to people, so suddenly we have this thing, and all our brain can think, "Oh, it's a person." So, but it's but you know, it's not. So we project a lot of qualities into into this box or into this voice, which it doesn't have. Which... I guess it's like television. When you watch television as a kid, I used to walk around the back and imagine how to get in. <laughs> yeah, 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 exactly. Yeah, yeah. Exactly that. Yeah, yeah. But I, I think, I mean, a lot of this, this stuff came also through w working with Wayne because I think you, you've got lots, Wayne has lots of sort of scientists in his entourage. And like when we went to a residency for, to do a scenography once and... Went to upstate New York to, to do some, what? To do what? To do an, to do a scenography, like a, a stage design for for one work. Right. And to develop that, you, you invited like lots of people, not only the dancers and the, but also us, and then um, Phil Barnett from the Brain Sciences Unit in, in Oxford, cognitive and, and scientists, and um, 
you know, and, and lots of people who could tell us a bit more what's actually happening. So they observed mostly Wayne, but also the stuff that happens when people look at audience and stuff. And we started to ask them questions like, why does this work and not that? And then they came up with like loads of material and to explain what's actually happening. And one of those materials that Phil showed us once, we started having symposia to understand what, what's happening, mm. was, was this 15 points, which is a bunch of flash animations where people filmed other people, thousands of them, to see how, how movement expresses uh, emotional, state. emotional state and, and, and cognitive states and, and, and physically, you know, slow, fat, happy, male, female, nervous, anxious, all of that through minuscule manipulations of positioning of a light dot in space. If you have 15 of them, you read that and you assign meaning. Why, why is it 15 specifically? I don't know. That's the minimum <laughs> amount you need to register kind of a whole body. So in a way, it's quite similar to if you do motion capture in movies. Yeah. It's pretty much the same, right? Exactly. There's these kind of like, they, they, they take the, the dot points yeah. and you, you, you get them on screen and you can tell that that's Russell. Then? I think, well, I think that there are an extensions of 50, but I think 15 is the minimal amount that you get fullest motion in combination, in coordination. Right. So um, you can get a much fuller version, but 15 is the, 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 the minimum that you need really to And this everything. isn't based on a specific person. This is like... No, it's by... So, so we, we then went off five, six years ago, we went off to, to the guy who made the original research here, which was Nico Troy, Professor Nico Troye, who's in Canada. He runs the Biomotion Lab. And we asked him to, to join us for another symposium and during a show in New York at Pace. And he explained to us that it's not 15 points. Uh -huh. you, it's, it's your legs. And that's like in chicken, it's like dinosaur age, 65 million year old ability to recognize biological motion. Yeah. You look at legs and, and that's enough. That's all you need to see that something is al actually alive. So... so Hunters sometimes, yeah, they wear they wear like um, how do you call it? Like long a, coat, a long a long coat because it hides your legs. Yeah. So animals realize later that you're a person because that's what like so the legs are the first thing that the giveaway. That they, yeah, the, that yeah, gives you away. Yeah, it's giveaway. your legs, and that and he said it's chicken. It's not reptile brain. It's older than that. That's that that helps a living entity to distinguish between like moving leaves and a tiger, basically, or whatever. So I, guess, so I guess the eye does that rapid mm. movement. The REM is yeah. 15 points. We're all doing that all the time. Yeah, so but, but when, when we see a person, the first thing, we don't, see, we don't see everything. We just see those points. And we're mm. like, oh, it's a person. And then, you add you know, in. then we add the, the color of the genes and show them the... Wow. So Wayne, as uh, an award-winning dancer choreographer with your studio, how do you approach dance with a machine, with a robot? Well, I think it's all part of a, a kind of a choreographic practice, which is thinking about how is dance applicable in real-world applications, so not just about what goes on stages, but how do we think about a thing called physical intelligence? What is that relationship between brain and body? What is that relationship between how we move and how we communicate? And those are kind of like fundamental principles of human behaviour. So if you start there, you can work in any domain, and that's why I've always been really interested in working with neuroscientists or, or scientists who are looking at what that relationship is because... It's a knowledge set that informs choreographic practice, right? Yeah. So that's that, that's how that starts. But um, what's interesting, I think, about the, the work that we've been doing together is how is it that 
we look at interactivity with that knowledge set or with that scientific knowledge set? You know, how is it that you can start to apply some of those principles in a context where you generate, in this case, um, with no one is an island, you know, um, an empathetic relationship with a robot? In the case of our drone zoo, zoological, their artwork, plus minus human, this beautiful uh, drone piece that we made at the Roundhouse. That's right, yeah. This huge interactive piece where, or, or you know, where um, the public mainly got to interact with drones in real time and then there was a dance intervention in that as well and it's amazing because that that, those those spherical objects that were flying in space allowed us to do these really interesting um human behaviors so you know they would feel like they were attacking they would feel that they were coming to seduce they would feel that they would they took on and they kind of like you know emotional properties and people would respond to them in a really incredible way and dialogue with them right and that is what you hope you're doing when you're making dances on stage. Yeah. You're hoping to communicate and reach out and talk and, and speak, basically. Communicating ideas through the body. Exactly, which we do all the time. We do. Well, I mean, what we just witnessed is, you know, at one point you felt, again, threatened by the machine and then you felt loved and you felt like the humans mm. were bringing life into it. It was dying at one point. They were going, come back yeah, to, yeah, come back to life. And then they were kind of wilting and the machine was kind of coming forwards. It's, it's an amazing interaction. It's really powerful. I mean, and for the dancers... Your dancers, they're part of your yeah, studio, right? Are, what, yeah. what are their names? Yeah, so that Jacob and Bex. They're amazing. Are they, yeah, and they, we're doing like five performances a day of this, right? They just told me they're doing like seven tomorrow. The same yeah, dancers on yeah, each yeah, one? Yeah, exactly. Because they were covered Very in sweat big. by the end of that. I know, exactly. <laughs> but do they, do they have a neurosis for protecting like the machine? Because obviously this is quite an expensive object. Yeah. You know, them interacting between it. The choreography of the machine stays the same for these performances. Yeah. It's not like they have to instinctively, no. you know, improvise. Well, well only that, that dancing, if you dance well, is an instinctive kind of like improvisatory act. I don't like choreography that is very, very set, repeatable. It's a bit like acting, isn't it? Yeah. You never, you're making real-time decisions. So if, you, if you're improv I if guess, you, you yeah. Know, but even, even if in text, if you all say it the same way. Yeah, true. You know, so actually dancers are doing that, that all the time. I think we had to learn how to interact with the instrument. We had to mm. learn how it moved, like you would learn how somebody else would move. So that's how you can then build a coordination with this. So you have to know its timing. You have to know when the um, the limbs are moving forward. You have Would you to... work with the machine at all moments? Exactly. Right? Yeah. So we had to we had to learn um, choreographically how it was um, unfolding over time to be able to do anything with it, and then that eventually allows them to have more of an improvisatory feel with it because they understand the overall arcing logic of that movement. Um, and yeah, so that's what we've been working on. Amazing. So I want to talk to you about your life because yeah. you are an absolute legend uh you grew up in the 70s and I you were did. inspired by john travolta well, who wouldn't be exactly and an inspirational dance yeah. teacher that's how you got into it well i just think you just don't know where you start in life you know what, what starts you off what gets you the kind of creative bug to do the things that you do and i you know i didn't know that i'd be working in the way that i'm working but i just love dancing i was a very physical kid i, went, I did lots of gymnastics and swimming and um and then when i saw those movies you know Greece and Saturday Night Fever. I just loved them. I just really loved them. And I just wanted to try it. And that's how I started, yeah. So, so I, I love these stories when, you know, young kids are either inspired by Billy Elliot or now it might be Strictly Come Dancing, whatever it is, it doesn't matter. As long as you, you, you start and then that gives you a passion and then you build on that passion and you have champions to help you get further in that passion. I love that. When did you start your own kind of studio, like r- random dance yeah. before? Well, I, I started the studio at 20, when I was 21. Wow. So um, I've had it almost 30 years because I'm 51. So, um, yeah, it's been a 30-year adventure so far. 
And when, when did you start then collaborating, taking it out to kind of scientists and philosophers? And when was that something you realised that dance can achieve by bringing in these different kind of intellectual minds? Well, it's interesting what Hannes was just saying about people, because actually I started with people first. So <clears throat> my first job in London was as a dance animateur. I, I went into East London to anim- animate communities through dance making. So, you know, early bilingual learners, you know, there might be a Bangladeshi community or a, a community of people with... Um, Alzheimer's or autism and, and use dance as a way of, of um, encouraging them to be expressive. So that's how I started. And then I started... Is that, t- is that tough, though, doing that, to bring people out of their shell, to say... Because like you were saying about you know nothing about dance, Yanis, to begin with, there must have yeah, been an yeah. anxiety when you were working together that you're suddenly going to go, <laughs> right, come on, <laughs> come, come on, on, up you get. Bust some moves. <laughs> yeah, 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 come on, what you got? What you got? But that, I mean, that, that mate, going in and saying, right, we're going to do some dance today... You just don't do it. Everyone can dance. I mean, one of the things I did, I taught a lot of boys and young men in the early kind of like 90s. And one of the things that we would do would take computer programs in. So 3D animation programs like Poser, which is an amazing um, in the day um, program to build um, uh, gaming, basically. And use that, teach them how to animate first, but make sure that computer's in a studio. They animate, we teach them how to animate, and then they want to try it out live. So they try out those physical positions live and then you just get rid of the computer and then they're doing choreography. You don't call it choreography, you don't call it dance, but that's what it is. So, so you trick them. Basically. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> trick them. And actually, it's, you know, I, I always find it really curious now that people say, oh, playing computer games is really bad for young people. But actually, you know, when you think about the spatialization skills that you need to be able to play those games, attention, yeah. the way in which you focus, it, it, it kind of really gives a whole range of kind of choreographic um, possibilities that are really exciting and actually have real world applicability and I, I think everyone should be playing D- Dan who was our, who's our uh, senior software engineer he's um, and, and he's really not not uh, I think he's quite far removed from from that dance in, in that sense and he's yeah. he's been rewriting a tracking system all day today for um, for a work that's also on display tonight didn't have center stage but basically he was dancing in front of it and he was the only one who can operate it today like you know his new software and it's like you've never seen him move like that and I was standing there and you know and it's uh, like I'm just fascinated by increasingly by by dance and movement because I think I increasingly think that it's one of the last genuinely human bastions you know it's it's what we've got left you can, we're being outperformed on every other level, cognitive, putting data together, you know, artificial intelligence, machine learning, like by force and sheer, by brute force. But that, what, which the human body can do, that is really, really hard to... It's, it's, it's storytelling, isn't it? Mm. You know, that's what we've done since the beginning of time is we've stood around and we've danced, we've moved to show... You know, you look at what bees do. You know, it's all about the movement. It's all about the dance that tell the stories. And and I, I increasingly think also in our art making, it's what what's going to make that that's the most interesting bit is to get people to move in some way, physically engage because that's what what really that's what brings something home. That that's what where real. I I don't think that stuff with in VR will. You know, it's 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 very thin somehow. It's not. It, there's no substance, and I think this physical physicality is incredible. Like may, maybe you know, maybe VR when you move, when you have to move around. Mm. And I don't know. I've, I've, it's it's I, some take, something taking up space, I guess, and taking mm. up your space in the room that you're in, actually, and a shared experience because mm. your work is meant to be, and your work is enjoyed by a mass. It's mass consumption, isn't it? You want as many people as possible. Mm. Yes. To see this stuff. Yeah. 
and to to be in it and somehow yeah and relate to it what i'm fascinated by is how you came to meet harvard Robotonists? How are we saying that? Robotonist. We are saying robotonists. Roboticists. Roboticists sounds like botany and plants yeah, and robots. Yeah. Uh, that's the next. That's the next show. Yeah. How did you? How did that come about? I mean, and what is that like? I mean, suddenly you're. I mean, because everybody knows. They should know Random International, the Rain uh, Room, which premiered at the Barbican in 2012 and has now been seen by over a million people. It's an incredible achievement. And from that, has just ricocheted onto so many other opportunities. But how did Harvard and, and this, these certain minds come into your orbit? Um, David Edwards from Le Laboratoire. And he's a um, mega interesting scientist. Um, and uh, uh, he runs a... Um, and, and, you know, businessman, and he runs a, a semi-academic entity, which is art science entity called Le Laboratoire. And he came to the rain room at the Barbican and he invited, he said, you guys have to come to, to, over to Harvard and, and just, you know, ha do something there. And we developed this open residency format w together with him, just m tailor made for us. We're not, I think because of the structure of our studio being several people, with families often we can't just go somewhere for like three months residency so we split it up over four years for two weeks each year um, since 2012 you've been doing 2014 was the first year i think right. we, we started um and then did it for four years i think 2017 or something 2016 yeah. i think three times three four times we went over and it's a study in inadequacy you feel permanently just <laughs> inadequate yeah, <I'm> bored. <laughs> it's like, exactly. you know, but but we made them laugh, you know. We're like, could <laughs> could you do that? When they saw this, what we wanted to do here, they were like, yeah, that's why DARPA just called an eight hundred million dollar uh, pr program because what you want to do that level of precision with so little material, you can't no can do. You can't move things that precisely over that distance in that speed with that little substance you know you, we have these super thin rods we didn't want like big heavy robot arms and stuff and they were like yeah, yeah it's a, you you won't it's a no-go and we were like okay well you know we'll, we'll happily fail Let's try. and boy did we fail my goodness we we it, you, you the cost first, a lot of money to someone to one of your backers not 800 million surely mark limcher if you're listening to this we love you was, was mark your backer from the beginning for the rain room is he that no, guy but for, for this one he was he was like, this is awesome, do it. And we were like, are you sure? What kind of... <laughs> um, and, and the first Has one... He see, he's seen the finished product, obviously. I, I, yeah. I, the, the first one really... Like, we really thought that we, we had it and we did so not. It was, like, it, was, it was static. And it took ages to make. So while the first one, which is a static, it walks like in, in yeah. the same spot. Yeah, you um, can see it walk marching towards you. It's crazy. And, and then we, we developed this idea. We went one crazier and put it on rails. We were like, okay, we put it on rails. And then... And then that then got completed, at, I think, two, two years ago, I think. It was, Did you it always was know you wanted to bring in the human element as well? Because there is a, there is a fundamental fascination, you, you say, with humanity wanting to know about robots. Like I think of Terminator 2 or I think of the Jetsons. These kind of interactions between human and robots have been something that, you know, as humans we're fascinated by, but you. But did you always know in the development of this that at some point you would be bringing in movement of the humankind yeah i think i mean we the initial i mean this we see as kind of the first the first the first step there's a there's 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 ideas where this copies you 
So you stand in front and mm. you don't know, is it a mirror or is it something that just follows your movement, less, just just imitating you. Yeah. So but that's kind of... Uh, like how little information do you need to relate to yourself, to, to see yourself there? That, that was one of the initial questions and that's apparently not only dangerous but also impossible <laughs> why, why is it dangerous it's self-destructs if you do start doing yoga in front of that mirror then the robot try, like that tries to imitate you then like when you turn you yeah. have to do something where the points flip because they can't they're because they the, the arms would would have to go through each other so wow. there's a big element of like <laughs> because like if you start with the points in space yes yeah so if i suddenly turn around and yes the point that is flows hand, dancing now if, um, yeah this is my, here this we go yeah, 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 tricky, we're fine. tricking this him in yeah go on, and, then, and you turn around again <laughs> <laughs> and, what, yeah, and where'd so your arms enjoy. go yeah <laughs> <laughs> so if i go like this yeah then this point would somehow have to go onto the other side but there's lots of other stuff in the way that, so could they break? Is that it quite would self-destruct yeah. itself? Yeah, yeah, or you would you yeah. would have to program it very cleverly that it takes that one point takes Houdini's over to the to another point by switching off and then another point switches on. So and for those budgets, you can do <laughs> NASA things or breather machines, <laughs> like <laughs> actually meaningful what things. Or, you want to build this. What, what, what was? Can I ask what the budget was on the no. project? <laughs> you can ask. I can ask, but you're not going to tell me. Yeah. So what happens? Flo after and me are not driving Ferraris. So where did that money go? <laughs> what, what, where can we see this after freeze? Because people here can come and see this, and they're going to see the performance. Is this something that you want to kind of tour like you have with a lot of your projects, like, so as many people as possible can see it? Or is this, is this the first stage? Because this is titled, uh, it's 15 points slash two. What does that mean? And, and also the title, No One Is An Island. Where did that come from? I think that came very, very quick. Like when we thought about this, I think two weeks after we started talking to BMW and, um, and Wayne about this, the pandemic hit and it was all not entirely derailed, but it was like, how, how do we do this? Yeah. Um, and then we wanted to have to pay tribute to the, to the fact that this is not 15 points. This is like a, a Gesamtkunstwerk. It's Wayne. And what does that mean? It's a, like a total work of, Art, I think we wanted really to... to Multi-hyphenated sort of. Yeah, yeah, slash, 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 slash. Exactly, yeah. yeah. No, but I think it it really, I think bringing like Wayne's perspective and it brought in a totally new... uh, Energy. It it made it a totally different work. And I think for the better, it's much more interesting. I think you... you, To get the bodies close. Our... our, um, Yeah. How, how do you say Berufsrisiko? Like our danger is that we get a bit too focused. We got too excited about this aspect of walking, and it's a bit like a sort of permanent climax. It's not that interesting once you've seen it. I think how to get there—that's the, that, you know—and then only seeing it for three times—that's timing. And I think, you know, that—that's where you need a somebody who knows how to choreograph. And yeah. I think that's that, the narrative is choreographed for me. How long did that take, the choreography as well? How long did you give yourself? Well, you know, one of the great pleasures of working with these guys is you never know what you're going to get. <laughs> so often it's very late in it, uh, in it developing and being realised. So, um, you know, I, I remember when we, we, we did that installation in the rain room and all the dancers were there and we said, OK, wow, we're going to switch what was, on. Well, how many were dancers in the rain room? We had like 15 or something. Wow. We did a durational performance for, yeah, for hours and hours in the rain room and at the Barbican. It was amazing and... But what was very funny, they said, oh, yeah, it's all working now. We'll switch it on and not going to get wet. And it was freeze preview <laughs> night in 2012. <laughs> and it was 
packed. And Klaus Biesenbach was the first guy plowing through like a thing, and was in, and it was everything was quiet, and uh, and the dancers were standing there. Mm. And are you sure? Are you sure they're saying? Are you sure we're not going to get wet? <laughs> yeah, we're sure. Switch it on. <laughs> and it was dribbling, soaking. And our 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 then partner Stuart was standing there, banging his his head on the thing, and was like, "It's fucked. It's fucked." It's fucked. <laughs> And it was we were like, oh my god! And then we we took out a lot of. I think it was again. It was a, a, a lucky thing because um, we just used the work as it's now supposed to be. It's just a rain room. There's no. We had programmed like elaborate oh, yeah. animations into the ceiling. So and you said everyone got wet in the room. No, 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 no. No, the dancers did, but the but they, did, they, did. they were. But that was you know. That was just the experiment. Collateral damage. Yeah. Um, and then, and then the people, everybody got to experience. Not a, they, they went into the into the rain room themselves rather than looking at something. And I think in the later choreographic interventions, that was part of it. Like the dancers are in the rain room, and so are the people, the yeah. audiences. And that's much simpler, much better. Yeah. But there's always something you, we can't predict. And but not with this, right? So what I was going to say was usually you don't know what's going on. But with this, it was a fully realized. I walked in and it was like a fully realized, beautiful thing. I was like, what? It's like finished. It's like a really. It was so. And you know, I just remember the first time I saw it, and I just, I, I just really fell in love with it straight away because it was such a. It's a real. It's a thing of real beauty. I think you know, as that aesthetic kind of like propensity. It has a kind of a physical visceral feeling to it it has a kind of a uh, an immediate kind of poetic power um and I, I i thought that was very easy for us to be able to intervene with it then in that way but then we had to learn we had to learn how to to, to play it and to play it well the poetic power also comes from the music because there, yeah. is, there is art science and philosophy that's involved in this but the music is incredible and again this is another prong to the collaboration how is this someone uh, like um, someone you've worked with before? It's not someone I've worked with before, but it's someone whose music that I use a lot in the studio. I have it on. And I really love it. And you know, these guys have got a list. We've got a kind of a list of composers yeah. that we love or that we share. We, we share an interest in. Who's, in. Your, who's your top five then? Well, you know, you we share? always ask our we always ask, we ask our top five. Right? Annie Lennox. I'm always, well, Annie Lennox. Yeah. You must, you know, you must yeah. know Annie Lennox. Of course. Yeah, exactly. Um, Brian Eno you know, and Brian's like no. Brian is really tricky to work with. You know? <laughs> Okay. At least you yeah. still want to work with a, him. Yeah. yeah. Um, um, Gia is, he's, he's, he's amazing. Gia is he builds awesome, these like yeah. amazing kind of environments where memory is really kind of like provoked, to, but also it gives you a lot of space. It's not too didactic. It's not too like specific in a way that actually gets in the way. So rhythmically, it doesn't like enforce its will on you. You know, you kind of it's the, the texture just supports kind of a, an installational type environment, and so. We wrote to him and he said, no, we'd love to do this. I'd love to do that. And uh, he was super excited by the project and we're really What's grateful that he did it. Chie Hatekayama. Okay, amazing. Well, the thing about this is it doesn't feel like there's any hierarchy. Like you're saying that about the music, everything complements each other. There is a harmony between everything and that's so important for this project. Yeah, it's, it's incredibly easy going, I think, because I think that we, we don't have any illusions that we have competence or knowledge about music <laughs> Or dance, or I, th- I think that the bit we're interested in is only made better by by having having actual bodies who are so fantastic at moving. Oh my god, they're incredible! It, that, and doing it because that's it's basically almost like the, the prototype for what we want everybody here to to like. If, if we could, we would have people crawling around in it and you know experiencing it like you the dancers the do. In. Huh? Would you like let the public in? They have an interaction, like yeah. If we could, I mean, that, that's always like the the the. 
it's always a fight with health and safety and, and you know that thing could kill somebody and that's where it then stops going like you really can't but if if we could i think if there was uh, like the opportunity to do it um f in full contact that would be amazing of wow. course you know what is it like working with uh super blue and bmwi on a, on a project like this having their having that brand and super blue as a kind of corporation looking after you very you know bmw they know what they're doing and i think as far as brand you know they they leave us to it like there is no interference and there's quite a lot of very seasoned support in in that that it's it's pretty knowledgeable i think for cul cultural philanthropy um and i think that's quite rare in the brand collaboration world and and you 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 feel that it's pretty um, it feels but, like you really embrace support. You really look for people to back. Like you've got this incredible collector who's come for this. It feels like that is really important, I guess, for everything. I mean, we all need brands to keep going for people to support it. But it feels like to have them ideas collaborating with someone who has the same sort of ideas, the forefront, is kind of yeah. really special. I think that, I mean, we, we, we couldn't do anything alone. I think in that sense, there's no one is an island is also very... Yeah. A very practical thing. It, it's that like these projects cannot be without many, many people working on them incredibly hard from very, very, very different kinds of brains and hearts, you know, shepherding this into into being. That's that's really um, I think that's a very new way of creating. But then it's also not so new. I think that's how how a lot of art was made. Yeah. And are we calling 15 points a robot or a machine? I think we're calling it a sculpture. A sculpture? <laughs> yeah, yeah, well, yeah. Like, the, the dancers call him? Fred. Fred? Fred, Fred when he's not behaving and Freddy when he's good. <laughs> so Fred doesn't sweat. I've just watched this performance downstairs and these two dancers were covered in sweat and they're going to do this performance seven times yeah. a day over yeah. freeze. Yeah. Are, you, are you worried about them? Are they worried? Or is oh, this no, just... we're not worried. They're, they're like, yeah, superhuman. They're used to dancing for hours. Yeah. Um, they're very, yeah, very excited to do that. No, they're into it. I watched an incredible TED Talk with you today. It's only 15 minutes. Everyone listening, you need to go and find this on your website, which I also did a deep dive on, and your deep dive. <laughs> They're very good websites to deep dive. Great. You can just keep your, they can you. keep going. And go, a little door, a little door, a little door, it keeps going. This was amazing, what you did in this TED Talk. How long ago did you do that? And then I, I'm obsessed with the way that you count. Is that, was that just for the TED Talk? No, it's high count. Yeah, I don't like numbers in that way. I don't like fixing things to five, six, seven, eight. It's just not my kind of thing. And I, I think, you know, there's a thing in sports coaching as well called sonification, which is where you make sounds to shape action. So To if, shape? To shape action. Oh. So if, if I went, wah, yeah. we all know what wah feels like. You could, if I actually to move wah, you could be, you could do, exactly. Yeah. yeah. So I actually we did movement. a brilliant like, little research project with Cambridge where we, I made all these crazy sounds and we got like non-dancers to just dance those actions and apart from a few odd bods most of the people dance the same kind of thing no way really? yeah so that's really interesting right so that sound is a way of like shaping action so sports elite sports coaches do that for gymnasts for example to give them a sense of dynamic or energy um which refines the way in which something moves so i've always done that so those counts it's like a conductor I it's guess. like a conductor yeah or you know i, I was with red arrows on a, a little project and it was amazing so red arrow won monty when he's up in the plane and he wants all of the planes to move at the same time and he goes and one it's a sonification yeah, and that yeah. gives you a kinetic idea and everybody yeah. moves in harmony with yeah. the idea. 
So um, it's very powerful sound to shape action. And I guess that's what I was trying to do in that TED talk, to say that we can communicate beyond words or numbers and dance isn't always attached to very, very rhythmic um, forces. It can be other things. Can we have some other sounds that we can try and mimic right now? <laughs> okay. Or anyone listening? <laughs> yeah, yeah, listen. yeah, yeah, yeah. Shanta. <laughs> shanta, how do you do that one? How would you do Shanta? Yeah. I did this. Yeah, you, yeah, you, yeah, you, do? you were more, you more like, leant forward. You leant forward and your shoulders went up. Exactly, yeah, yeah. there we go. I sort yeah. of did a little body. <laughs> We all got it. Yeah. Well, another one more, one more. Um, oh, that's like a forward. Yeah, there we go. It has like an explosion. I wanted to do something my mouth, like something my head, shake my head a little bit. I love that. you're counting. I just wanted to do pressure because it was like one, two, that. I don't know. But that's like a beat. Yeah, well, it's, it's, it's give it so very rather than go one, two, three, four, yeah. five, and six. You know, it's very like metronomic. Yeah, yeah. It's kind. Of, it's it's, it's doing sonific- dance. Yeah, it's a bit commercial dance. It's yeah. a bit doing sonification. It's a giving dynamic and counting at the same time. And actually, dancers are amazing. Like I, you know, if I watch a, a piece of dancing, I can time it out. I can say that's sixty-four seconds within seconds. Yeah, because I've been seeing phrases of movement for so long, so I've got an idea of what that is. And dancers can do that. So I say to you know Bex and um, Jacob, okay, that that choreographic idea lasts about 50 seconds and they can time out 50 seconds without any counts without any music they could in their body there's a natural they have time. A body clock yeah like a body clock. Natural, yeah, and it's practice type. right because that's what, what yeah, dancers yeah, yeah, do yeah, yeah. so they can they can kind of like yeah modulate their timing in seconds not necessarily on the count and that's really great right so then you've got different types of time that you can ask them to respond to you can ask them to hijack the music for example at certain points for high for um, particular anchors and they can find where they are so you might think the sound is all very textural but you could go okay there's this like noise in the sound that you need to um, phrase your material to be able to attack that at that particular place and that's when you get a coordination of the robot and the sound and the body together without there being a beat. I think it's the pickup as well that I'm always so impressed with. What I watched on that is that you just sort of told them or helped them, manoeuvred them, manipulated them into positions. Yeah. And as a couple, they just got it. I mean, I guess that is what they are, dancers, and that's what you do. I guess with acting, it would be the same if I had to learn or improv and learn lines, you just do it. But it's so fascinating to watch and exciting. And with practice, you get quicker at it, right? So that's why everybody, if you practice any element of physical intelligence or physical thinking, if you practice it, you get better at it. Yes, So it's a muscle. Yeah, it's a muscle. So the more we do it, the more we get get good at that. And that's why I like these um, artworks that you make, because in a way accidentally you are priming people to practice things that they don't normally. You talked a little bit about space a minute ago and we all carry this kinosphere, this kind of like space around us that we take everywhere. Mm. And it's very rare that we actually go outside of that space, Mm. like reach out of it, you know. And some people have very close kinospheres and some have slightly wider ones, but it's very rare that we really go outside of the kinosphere. And I think these art objects that these guys make, make you physically inhabit a world outside your kinosphere. And I think that's very powerful. I'm thinking of man spreading when people do that on trains for some reason because it's like that's taking up more it than is, that. that's out of your kinosphere, sir. It is, but it's like it, it's like it's like holding space, isn't it? It's like it's like it's, it's stopping you entering. It's kind of like it's forcefully saying, stating a claim. That's not the same as kind of like reaching out and finding a way of bringing people towards you. It's pushing away. Man spreading is pushing away, and what we're trying to do is actually get people closer and further away. Yeah, this kind of like dialogue of the body with whatever it is instrument. I was wondering for a long time what this fascination is with bringing people out of their regular 
trut, you know, that be, you know, getting out of this. Why is that interesting? And I think it's 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 really it's it's this recon it's it's building flexibility or something in mm. humans that we that we stay that we don't stagnate somehow. It's like this: if you see a person trying to. Out, we've seen people out crawling tracking systems at Art Basel VIP preview, like some like on the floor, you know, collectors just crawling to go because they they were so excited that they outperformed a camera tracking system. It's the, the installation stopped seeing them when they, you know, and it was <laughs> it was completely ac- accidental. <laughs> and I keep, we have a photo of that. It's it's absolutely hilarious. Hang on, this is image. something that you do at the fair where you put tracking on everybody there. No, 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 no. It's a camera tracking system, and it's 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 all it's this mirror piece which we showed there. Oh, yes, right, right. And 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 and, oh, and they tricked and they, it. They, they beat the machine. Seeing her. Like... They they and they tricked the machine, and they got so happy about it. That they outsmarted, outfoxed the the machine, and it's it's like the interesting bit is that she did something she probably hasn't done since she was a child. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> She's fifty five years old, and and she was just like, okay, I got it, I got it, I I, I know what you're doing here, and we're like, clever, mm, clever. This is a thing of not taking up or wanting to take up too much space. And what this what this robot is doing is taking up, it's commanding space. The way that it kind of moves suddenly towards you through the room, and these dancers are working alongside it, it's showing how much space is being taken up. They're quite. I think they're quite menacing. In it's some, very in some menacing. Way. Like when you come, when they look very gracious. Also, when you animate them, that's how we sketch stuff. We animate, you know, like in three D computer program yeah. because before you build. I thought it was like, like a sea anemone. It felt like very underwater, mm. like tentacles from like coral. Mm. And, but it's silent. You, you never yeah. animate those kind of mechanistic power those things have. And I think when, I, when we saw it first, it's like, whoa. And I'm still like, I have a lot of respect suddenly for it. There is a reason why they have these health and safety ribbons yeah, everywhere. Right. And when we did this in Harvard, um, the, the, the first sort of thing, there was a, a, in a, in a um, German car factories. There was a lot, five years ago, it started this, I think, production 4.0, where workers in plants get co-work, robotic co-workers. So you're hand in hand with a, uh, with a robot. And that's obviously very interesting for when we developed this. That's what they did in the, in the engineering school. So, you know, you right. have a... So you don't get... Like, like a buddy, a robot buddy. Yes, you yeah. give something to a robot and then the robot does something yeah. with that. So you get very close. And the amount of... The um, uh, the amount of precaution that must oh, be yeah. must be taken that you can be in a space that is not like I don't know cordoned off like three meters yeah, down yeah. things because they can I mean they can do some serious damage and, and yeah. again I'm sure they're expensive they're very expensive <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> the what's, what's the budget for those <laughs> <laughs> is this the first time that the, a, that you've had dances and uh, the fifteen points together is this the first ever moment. Yeah, with an audience. With an audience. With yeah, an audience. Yeah. yeah, we did it last year in Wayne's amazing studio. Oh, you did. We we did it. We we did it to make a little film, like the trailer for yeah. this, but not with a live audience. Rehearsal. Right. It was like rehearsal, kind of like a, a, an open rehearsal, really. Wow, wow, wow! And you've you've got three dance studios, two of the largest in London, and this is in the Queen Elizabeth. It is. Yeah. The Queen Elizabeth. Park. Yeah, the, the uh, Olympic yeah. Park. If they ever have an open day go, it's amazing. Amazing. It's really and, and beautiful. Do you guys have plans to do more in the future like this? Always. Always. <laughs> I, was Always. Just say, I don't know what, but yeah. <laughs> it's like just like ongoing. <laughs> That's so exciting. I think it's, it, I can say without doubt, it's the most fun and most fulfilling part of our work is, is to work on projects with Wayne because it's really different every time. It's really different and really 
Yeah. So always and you're an OBE, new. aren't you? Well, I'm a CBE, but it's fine. Oh, CBE. <laughs> it's like whatever, yeah. Right, so every time we do talk art, we ask uh, some very important questions. The first one is, what is your favourite colour, Yanis? Mm. <laughs> Silence. <Ooh. laughs> um, good question. I think at the moment, some weird pink. Some weird pink? Why yeah. is that? I don't know. I'm not entirely sure, but some, something... Like some, your T-shirt's some, something, quite... Yeah. That's not weird pink, though. That's quite a nice... No, that, it's, it, because pink. it's not that. It's like, I don't know. But yeah, probably pink at the moment. It's, I'm cycling through those every five years. It changes. Right. At the moment, I think it's pink. Nice. Florian? Cyan, I think. Cyan? Yeah. Like a blue... Okay, yeah, but a good blue. Okay. Like a decent blue, okay. not a shit blue. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah, no, it's like a good blue. Yeah. <laughs> Wayne? Mm. I'm going to go, well, obviously I'm going to go with black, right? But I'm going to go... Why some obviously? would say it's, it's not a colour. Like, you no, know, no, exactly. <laughs> yeah. um, I'm going to go with yellow. Colour like an of madness. yellow. Is it? Yeah. Oh, that's a good. I'll stick with that. I like that. Yeah? <laughs> yeah. Cool. If you guys could do an art heist, if you, I don't know if you collect art, but if you could have any work of art in the world to yourself, you can steal it nicely, what would it be and why? Wayne? Mm-hmm. I'd, I'd, um, any Agnes Martin. Oh, nice. Yeah. So the minim- minimalism is yeah, like something. And I, well, the minimalism, but also the detail and the richness of being able to live with that and see different things in it every day. Yeah, it'd be Agnes Martin. Like with amazing, you have that amazing Agnes Martin room at Dia Beacon. Um, which is yeah, it was just amazing. That's yeah, upstate New York, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, 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 yeah. Florian, Calder. a Calder piece, a Stay Mobile, or a mm. yeah, mobile, good. a mobile, yeah. I think I'm staying in the Pay Stable, and I'm going with um, with Bob Irwin. Oh yeah, Robert Irwin, some scrim, oh, yeah. some scrim work. That I want to live in it. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm into that. I've got one more question for you all. What is the best advice you've ever been given when it comes to your art? To, to to who? What is the best advice that you've ever received? I received when it comes to your art to like received. I think uh, someone told us once: uh, don't get into the business of uh, producing things and making physical objects. <laughs> and we totally <laughs> and can we, and hang the, on a minute. And that's the only <laughs> thing we did. <laughs> All we do. All we're doing. Um, I think Gabi Klasma, painting tutor at the Royal College, who we taught with together and studied under him, um, he he was just a master of slowing down, of staying slow when when he yeah, keep keeping things like slow slow, and that that's something I think we've we've. Slow down. Yeah, slow, slow. Like, like t- t- we, we're not good. It's it's really hard, but it's like I think as as a as an advice, it was really good. Yeah. But what you're saying is ignore the advice you've ever given. <laughs> That's, a new That's advice. your advice. That's for everyone else's <laughs> yeah. advice. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Like, yeah. What about you? Um, I think I got some great advice from this amazing postmodern American choreographer called Miss Cunningham. Yes. Oh, yeah. yeah who what just in said, person? Yeah. Who said, "No rules, lots of risk." Oh, yeah. <laughs> no there rules. are no rules. Take yeah. lots of risk. Yeah. And what age was you when you got that? I was, must have been about 30. And Did you meet been, it? Like, yeah, I, I made this little series for the BBC of my fav- ten, favourite 10 postmodern American choreographers, of which Merce was one. So I went to interview them. We did one-to-one interviews for an hour. And so I did him and Twilight Tharp and Bill T. Jones and all these oh. amazing American yeah, stars, Lucinda Childs. Insane. Yeah. 
but he was great. You know, he just asked me questions. I couldn't get anything out of him, <laughs> so, you know, which is kind of amazing. But, you know, I think all those amazing collaborations did with, you know, people like Rauschenberg. And Paul yeah, the, the and Paul Eats, and like that's still legendary, crazy, the yeah. experiment in art and technology. I mean, they've yeah. done all, everything yeah. we do here, they've done in, in a way, you know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But, but it was just phenomenal what they've done. But that's pretty cool to meet him in person. Yeah, amazing. So what's next for you guys, for everyone listening? Obviously, get down to see this show. No one is an island yeah. during freeze. What's your next projects? So we 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 open another show, a group show at the Strand. Worth totally worth seeing the Lux show at one eighty the Strand this oh, yeah. week, um, where we have a. Um, it's sort of it's in the same sort of not body of work, but it's also about sort of different species and how we artificial species developing those and how we relate to them um and then we have a bunch of shows next year i think we're, we're just discussing i think we're gonna title the whole next year of stuff um, called a machine to for living in it's this this a machine Kobe's, for living in yeah the corbusier quote you know he did this and i think that that has an entirely new meaning you know our body is a machine for living in and our whole world becomes one and we've got like lots of these touch points and shows we're doing one at the mit museum in um in spring mm -hmm. that's in the states we're, we're, isn't it yeah yeah and we're doing we're doing a, a big uh show with uh, super blue we're planning one and where we in miami sure. in their space there. no it's a top secret new top secret new location do we know the Very budget for that secret. one or? yeah, yeah <laughs> <laughs> um but where we're actually being um very much hope to bring Wayne in with some some. Is this um, first you've heard, or is this always? Always, yeah. it's exclusive. <laughs> good, I don't mind. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, so there, um, there's a rain room on the on the cards for that, and we there's obviously Wayne's done the one and only choreographic intervention for rain room, and we're thinking of of uh, you know bringing this this kind of performative aspect of our work into more local communities when we perform that without having to fly in a whole, you know colonial army of people from london and elsewhere just to, to get it a bit more interesting locally and give and and that's something we're working out for next year With local communities and stuff getting yeah involved. yeah totally and Amazing. i mean Amazing. that's something we're really interested in and you're currently rehearsing something wayne i have a big show open at Covent garden on thursday whoa with thomas addis and tasta dean tasta dean's ah. on the sets um which is a huge project about dante um and dante's then, inferno like. yeah well all of them um, Purgatory and Paradiso, so it's a whole evening, which is Thursday, so come. Yes. And then um, I've been working on this like crazy big Avatar show with ABBA, which has been the most fun thing <laughs> you could absolutely imagine. We've been doing that for about two years. So um, all four of them been there? They have, yeah. So that's been amazing to work with them physically. And yeah, Can you imagine he's been them. in his studio with them in Stockholm? That's, yeah, that's been really fun. So that, that opens in the Queen Elizabeth Olympic Park in, um, in May, and um, it's going to run five years, so you've got lots of time to see that show. So it's the new Mamma Mia. It's, well, you know what? It's not a it's not kind of Mamma Mia type show because it's it's them as avatars and um, it's, it really feels like them. It is their performance. We did performance capture with them. It's new songs by them as well as their greatest um, greatest hits. So it's like going to an ABBA concert. It's like really like really seeing them, and um, I'm so I'm so excited about it because the, the technology has been amazing and they are just such beautiful human beings. So um, yeah, that sounds incredible. Well, thank yeah. you so much, guys. This has been just the best. That's fun. Yes. Um, for everyone listening, please go to at Talk Art on Instagram. Are you on Instagram? Of course. 
What's your Instagram handle? <laughs> Studio Wayne McGregor. Yes, Studio Wayne McGregor must yeah. be. Yeah. And you guys? Um, random International, I think, in one word. Great. I think. <laughs> I Great. think, yeah. Uh, okay, brilliant. Uh, Everyone check out No One Is Nylon during Freeze Week. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah. All right. Thank you. Thank you. Bye. Bye. You've been listening to Talk Art with Robert Diamond and Russell Tovey. Follow us on Instagram at Talk Art, where you can view images of all artworks discussed in today's episode, with music by Jack Northover. Subscribe to Talk Art at Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Acast, or wherever it is that you get your podcasts. Give us a rating and write us a comment. Thanks for listening.